Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We can't shut down the oil sands tomorrow. Uh, We need to phase them out. We need to manage the transition off of our dependence on fossil fuels. Uh, That is going to take time, and in the meantime, we have to manage that transition. As I've always said, don't say to me today what you don't want me to play back for you tomorrow. Jason Kenney joins us, the Premier of Alberta. Lots to talk about with the Premier. And uh, Premier Kenney, I always appreciate that you'll come on the show. You're one of few uh, leading politicians who don't do a detour around us. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate that, Roy, but uh, you just ruined my Sunday by playing that clip. I know. I did it intentionally. (laughs) When you hear that, when you go back, and you know that was at a town hall, which Mr. Trudeau favored in his early early days in, in as Prime Minister. When you hear that, what's your reaction? Like I said, it, it kind of gets my blood boiling. Um, and uh, now, subs- uh, you may recall, I think he did a town hall in Regina about two weeks after that, and a, um, a woman who works in the oil fields stood up and tore a strip off the Prime Minister, and he walked it back and apologized. Uh, but there's no doubt that the view that the oil, quotes, oil sands must be phased out is uh, is what's behind uh, so many of the policies of this government. I mean, you look at the federal... Look, the, the Canadian oil and gas sector, Roy, as I've pointed out to you before, is the largest sector of the Canadian economy. 20% of our exports are tied to it. 800,000 jobs directly and indirectly. Uh, the value of our currency inextricably linked to it. And uh, so much more, so much of our manufacturing industry, uh, one, I think $1.2 trillion of taxes and revenues have been paid to governments in recent decades out of that industry. The largest part of it is the oil sands. And yet you have a federal budget last week, which does not say one single positive thing about that industry. Instead, layering on, layering on more costs and regulations um, that... That that are basically about phasing it out, and and it just it it uh, it it makes people, uh, at least in this part of the country, very upset. Yeah, and I didn't play that clip just to upset you. I I played that clip because it ties into the first thing I want to talk to you about or hear from you about. And I saw a tweet from you. I think it was two or three days ago, and it was titled on Twitter at Jay Kenny, "Oil is not dead," and it isn't. But, Premier, it's outrageous that we don't have a pipeline network to get Canadian or Alberta oil to Tidewater. And we're living in a country where we import at least 700,000 barrels of foreign oil daily from some questionable regime. So I didn't just grab that clip out of thin air. I'd like you to speak to the fact that oil is not dead, please. Well, obviously it's not. And, Roy, uh, before COVID, the world was consuming about 100 there's uh, just over 100 million barrels of oil a day. Uh, we're now back up to about 97 million barrels, and the global economy is nowhere close to full recovery. Uh, post-recovery, we'll we'll see a significant increase, which is why projections for oil prices this year, in the last two quarters of this year, are for significant increase. I think... Um, uh, I've seen projections from major banks about $85 Brent prices, which would be, we'd be selling Alberta well for about $70, $75 a barrel if that was the case. And so demand is going to continue to grow. 
um, as the world economy recovers and as the as people in the developing world seek a way out of energy poverty, one of the things I find most uh, dis- disturbing about the moral unctuousness of the uh, leave it in the ground crowd is, you know, these these are typically uh, wealthy and upper middle class people in highly developed countries um, who don't know what it's like to live in much of the developing world where major fuel sources include burning cow dung and scraps of wood with not just high carbon emissions, but also knocks and socks and particulate that uh, are terrible for human health. Those folks want to be able to plug into a reliable grid fueled by, by natural gas. They, they want to be able to afford maybe a small car that, guess what, is going to be fueled by gasoline. They want the same basics of energy security and, and, and affordability that we all take for granted. And, that, and they're going to get it one way or another, which means global demand will increase. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I know that the, 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 I call it the sort of the pixie dust crowd. They think if we just sprinkle pixie dust and, you know, unicorn farts, we can somehow replace oil and gas. The truth is that according to Bill Gates, if the entire world were to convert to electric vehicles tomorrow, oil consumption would only go down by 7%. So, Roy, we are, we are going to be seeing substantial demand for this, these products for at least the next 20 to 30 years, and I'd rather that we supply it than Saudi Arabia and Russia. It makes no sense. And even when you look at and you know this as well, maybe better than I, the Montreal Economic Institute surveys Quebecers on a regular basis on the issue of, do you want oil? Where do you want it from? And invariably, Quebecers, not necessarily the elites, but the folks, they want oil, they want it from Alberta, they want it by pipeline, and they want it now. Absolutely true. And uh, if you just give them the choice, um, and I, one thing perhaps we should have in this country is is uh, country of origin labeling so that people know when they go in, in, in Halifax or in, in Quebec City and fill up, they're supporting uh, uh, conflict oil. You know, a long, some time ago, you may recall, right, that the uh, ethical, you know, that there were interest groups that got the diamond industry to label, quotes, conflict diamonds, those that came from Angola. I remember that. During the brutal, brutal civil war. Yes. Because those diamonds, those diamonds were fueling uh, coups and civil wars, violence and conflict to control the resource. Well, why don't we notionally label conflict oil? Vladimir Putin, right? You know, this is unbelievable. The Biden administration canceled Keystone XL on day one of their administration, Mm -hmm. but they are refusing to oppose uh, or impose sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that will bring Russian natural gas into Germany, uh, which is a Russian strategy to, to avoid having to send it through Ukraine. So basically, the Biden administration is effectively neutral on a Vladimir Putin pipeline that will enrich a regime that uh, murders its opponents and, and, is, and is a gross violator of human rights while opposing a pipeline from friendly Canada. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me either that we have people, organizations in this country, which would benefit from, we all would benefit from, revenue generated by Canadian oil being exported to the world, which wants the oil, 
uh, and, and they stand in the way. And somehow, I guess they feel it's better to have oil from Saudi Arabia. Minister of the Federal Budget, what do you say? Well, <laughs> as a... As a former federal minister who worked hard to grind down spending, um, it is, uh, I have to say, it's, it's a bit um, of a shocker to, to see uh, an acceptance of, of, of endless deficit spending. Now, having said that, we're in a big deficit here in Alberta, but we have a plan to, to get out of it. And we know that the so-called new monetary theory, that you can basically print your way out of a fiscal problem, uh, has never worked in the past. It will never work in the future. It ultimately will lead to inflation, which is a tax on everybody's life savings. So that concerns me. But really, I guess what concerns me more, Roy, again, is this is this total lack of of, of a focus on the country's largest industry. There was one uh, small nod in our direction, which we appreciate, uh, a commitment to create an incentive for carbon capture and sequestration technology or storage technology that can help us to reduce the uh, carbon output of our energy industry so we can meet or beat oil produced in any other part of the world and ensure a future for our industry and access to capital so that 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 might be hope we've got to work through some more details on that so uh but but broadly i would say um that what i think all governments need to do as we recover from covid is to focus obsessively on economic growth canada has been trailing the developed world on investment now for the past decade much of that is because of investment fleeing our oil and gas sector. We need to bring that investment back to get jobs and incomes back up in this country. Let me ask you about COVID. Uh, what's your reality in Alberta today? And I've been looking at the numbers. Most of us have. We see the numbers going up in Alberta. They're going up in many provinces. Others, they're stabilizing a little bit. I don't know where we are right now, honestly. But what's the reality in Alberta? And what is your assessment of the federal government's performance as far as providing vaccines for the provinces and uh, to Canadians is concerned? Well, we we do have a very concerning growth in COVID as part of this third wave, uh, and much of it driven by these more contagious uh, variants. Um, and, and, and we have to, you know, I just constantly call on Albertans to, to please do their best, to limit their interactions, to, to, to stop the spread, I know everybody's tired, but if we can do it in the next uh, few weeks, we'll be past this thing, thanks finally to vaccines uh, starting to, to arrive. Uh, in terms of the, 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 the federal approach, Roy, um, they had just basically two things to do. Control the borders to stop COVID from coming in and to get us adequate vaccines. And, and I, I, I cannot... Uh, look, I can't express my frustration on, on those two fronts. We we saw the East Asian countries shut down their borders from COVID hotspots right off the top, Japan, South Korea, Singapore, uh, Taiwan, etc. And they basically had no COVID and virtually no restrictions as a result. And then we saw other countries like Israel and, and, and the UK get way, way ahead of us on vaccines. We've been 40th to 50th per capita, certainly in the first three to four months of this year. But, Roy, at least we are catching up now. We just encourage people, as soon as they're eligible, to get those vaccines. By, I think, May the 5th, we will have inoculated a third of our population, and another 10% have antibodies from prior natural infection. So we'll be getting to a place, I think, about a month from now, where the vaccines really start to have a measurable impact in interrupting the chain of transmission. And uh, you've passed legislation which will allow workers uh, paid leave to get their uh COVID-19 vaccination. I know that was an issue in your province. Let me ask you one more question. This unsigned letter 
that uh, is being written about, talked about, unsigned letter from uh, UCP constituency folks calling for you to resign. I, if, if something's not signed, just me, I wouldn't even read it. But if there's no signature on it, I'm not interested. But, Premier, what, what do you say to this? Well, I, I, it's the first time I've ever seen uh, an unsigned document become media coverage, get uh, media coverage. Um, that seems to me pretty much without precedent. Uh, look, the, the truth is that uh, there are uh, some conservatives in Alberta who are uh, just ticked off, royally ticked off at public health measures and restrictions. Um, I understand that. I don't like them one bit at all. Um, and we've taken, uh, our approach has been that public health restrictions should be a last and limited resort uh, to pre- avoid large-scale preventable deaths and keep our healthcare system from being overwhelmed. But generally, over the past year, we've taken a much lighter touch than most Canadian provinces, than all Canadian provinces, most U.S. states, and almost all European countries. And uh, so I think what you're seeing is is some of that stuff is just basically uh, accumulated frustration with COVID. And the fact that the government has had to step in to, to prevent our healthcare system from being overwhelmed. I think we'll get past that when we get past COVID and can get refocused on issues that unite Albertans, like economic growth, job creation, and standing up for a fair deal for our country and the Federation. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident of that. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.